Good morning. My name is Pete, and I get to be one of the pastors here at Epiphany Station. We are going to do our third and, and our final on um, the series called Faith. But I have a question for you before we begin. How many of you have flooded basements? And there's a few. I'm grateful that it doesn't always rain in sheets like that, but I've never been in a hurricane, but I think we had a taste of that, because the, the water was coming down horizontally. I've never quite seen anything like that. We have faith that the rain is going to stop. The Lord did say he's not going to destroy the earth by sending a flood completely to cover the whole earth. So that we can count on. As we consider our faith, and by the way, our faith is a reasoned faith. And what, what do I mean by that? Well, for example, our calendars are marked by the crucifixion and the resurrection. And uh, that, that's pretty powerful. In the Bible, it even talks in the book of Romans about, uh, as we look out to the creation, even, even that cries out that there's a creator. And so it isn't a blind sort of faith that people might like to project that don't understand. It's, it's a very reasoned faith. And yet we are placing our faith in a God that we cannot physically see. And I think back to when Jesus had a conversation with, with uh, Thomas, doubting Thomas. I always thought he got the short end of the stick because he's the one that had the guts to say, unless I see him and touch him, I won't believe when he was, when, when all the disciples were, were clamoring about the resurrection, the possibility of And Jesus appears before the disciples, and Thomas especially. And, and then Jesus says, after Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus said, blessed are you, Thomas, for seeing and believing, but for everyone that comes after you, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. So we're blessed by our God, to have faith. But this faith is a gift from God. And we're talking this morning specifically about using that faith to bear fruit. What does it mean for us to not only have faith, but to bear fruit in our lives? We're going to be looking at John chapter 15 primarily this morning as we consider bearing fruit. Uh, how many of you like planting a garden? Or, uh, or, or you're farming and you're planting, and soon you're going to be harvesting, and you are harvesting. But anyway, uh, bearing fruit is something that you expect when you plant the garden. You know that all that hard work of making sure the weeds are pulled and, and, and so on and so forth is going to bear fruit. And so when it comes to the time where you're going to harvest and there's nothing there, well, it seems pretty pointless to plant a garden if you're not taking any fruit from it. Let's apply that picture to our lives. When it's harvest time, and there's no fruit to be born, wow, what, what's going on here? So we're going to look at John chapter 15 to see what Jesus was talking about. And uh, he's talking about the, the vine and the branches and this, this word picture that we have in our minds. Let's look and see what he, what he says in John chapter 15. Follow with me. If you don't have a Bible, or you can grab one on the welcome station, or whatever. But let's read John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples when he says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father 
is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. My branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, let's set the scene here. Jesus just had the Last Supper with his disciples. He had just washed their feet. And he's having a conversation with them about bearing fruit. But as they do this, they're about to go out to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is just outside the city gates of Jerusalem, about a half a mile walk. And he's about to be betrayed. He's about to be arrested, beaten severely, be tried by uh, Pontius Pilate and King Herod and, and the high priest that will lead to his eventual cruel and vicious death. So Jesus is taking this moment to prepare his disciples, his followers, for his departure. Now, of course, they really didn't have much of a clue what he was talking about, but the bottom line is this. Jesus knew that they had troubled hearts. We read in, in chapter 14, it says this, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. We take, take the words in our English language, uh, faith and trust and belief. They're so inextricably linked. And so Jesus, uh, in the same vein, said, believe in me. Have faith in me that the words that I tell you are true. It's in the midst of that affirmation, that encouragement, that Jesus uses the metaphor of grapevines branches to give a word picture of being connected to God. So in our program notes, you have uh, some words to fill in. And the first one is this. Bearing fruit is about being, not doing. Bearing fruit is about being, not doing. Jesus is about to go away, but he's sending the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus says, remain in me, keep in mind that the Holy Spirit is soon going to be invading these disciples in about 50 days. They just don't know yet. When Jesus focuses on the importance of loving each other and bearing fruit. And this brings us to the main focus. As believers in Jesus Christ, what does it even mean for us to bear fruit? Well, what would it look like to say I'm a fruit bearer? Is it to get out and tell everyone about Jesus? Maybe. Is it to give a lot of my money away, perhaps? Is it to invite ten people to Epiphany next Sunday? Might be. Those are all good things, but I don't think it's getting to the core of what it means to bear fruit. In order to know what fruit is, we need to ask ourselves where it comes from. Jesus covered that when he said, Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much 
Verse 5 of John 15, again, Jesus says, Yes, I am the vine. You, the disciples, all of us are the wrenches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What does it mean for us today to remain in Jesus? He was going away to the Father, but he wouldn't leave his disciples as orphans. John 14, verse 16, Jesus says this to his disciples. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. So what is this fruit? The Apostle Paul wrote a book called Galatians. Chapter 5, we have some really good idea as to what that fruit might look like. Here's what it says. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. There's no law against these things. Let's take a closer look here at that fruit. First of all, it's singular fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. It's not fruits of the Spirit. It isn't as if we can legitimately say, I'll take love, but I don't need any self-control. Or I'll be kind, but I don't want patience. You stay connected to the vine. We are the branches, he is the vine. And the fruit comes from the Holy Spirit, that promised one that Jesus said he would send when he left this earth. And Jesus is saying, stay connected with me to his disciples. He's also saying to his disciples and to us, stay connected to the Holy Spirit. In other words, depend on me is what Jesus says. Now that concept can really trip us up. But I'm so tempted to worry. It's because that's what I naturally do. Rather than bringing it to God, primarily trusting that he'll work it out. I worry. Or when I'm bitter. The natural thing for me to do is to justify my bitterness. But what a wonderful time to acknowledge, Lord, I'm bitter right now. That's why i got to give it to you. Let go of it. Allow him to work through me to respond in the right spirit. And at this point, we should not be thinking about doing, just resting, abiding. How does that work? How do you rest in the Holy Spirit? How do you rest in Jesus? Well, it begins by spending time with him, just like you spend time with a good friend. And you think about that time with a good friend, especially if you haven't had a conversation with them for a while, what does that feel like? Breath of fresh air. Spending time with a good friend changes your perspective because they know you so well. You don't have to explain to them who you are because they already know who you are. You are accepted, no strings attached. But you also are challenged by a good friend to be different, to change in your character in areas where it's ugly and and, and there's poor behavior. God does that. The Holy Spirit knows us. 
And as a follower of Jesus Christ, he lives inside of us. He speaks to us. Are you able to listen to hear what he has to say? He, he shows us things in the Word, the Bible, Scripture. Have you had an opportunity, even just this past week, even just for a short time, to, to just ask, Lord, what do you have for me today? Like his disciples, we're called to depend on the Holy Spirit for fruit bearing. Because self-sufficiency is the enemy of fruit bearing. If we think we can just do it ourselves. Dependency on the Holy Spirit is what bears fruit. Now, nothing wrong with hard work. We're really called to work hard as we are able. But we need to get it in the right order. Before we jump in and dive in and say, I'm just going to do, stop. Say, I'm going to be. I'm going to rest. Trust Him. He'll give me the strength. He'll give me the ability to do, to face what I need to face. Then you can get in there and work hard. Stay connected. None of us is designed to bear fruit apart from the Holy Spirit. As Jesus said, for apart from me, you can do Bearing fruit, next, uh, next point. Bearing fruit is a great example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus gave his disciples a great example and a great way of serving each other, of loving each other when he washed his disciples' feet. And in verse 15 of chapter 13, he said, I've given you an example to follow. Do. I've done to you. Now, why did Jesus wait for this express moment? He just had this last meal with his disciples, and then he washed their feet. Why didn't he do it three years ago when they, when they were just starting in the ministry? You'd think, well, that'd be a great way to kind of start it off, right? I believe that for the disciples, it had to be cemented in their minds and hearts going forward because they would be pivotal in affecting change in the world. And, and they needed to grasp this concept of loving each other. As followers of Jesus, we have the capacity to be the best evidence for Jesus Christ or the worst evidence for Jesus Christ. So, for example, just uh, simply this. You're driving down the road and, and uh, a car pulls out in front of you and, and your immediate action, you know, reaction. What is it? Is it to swear at them? Or you're having a conversation with a, a group of people and you, you find that this conversation is sort of going downhill and it turns into gossip. You want to join in? You want to hear the latest? Or you're at the grocery store and, and, and they give you your change back you walk away and you realize, wait a minute, this, this isn't right. They give you too much change. What do you do? Tony Campolo, he's a pastor, and, and he talks about it's a story about a guy named Joe. And Joe uh, was an alcoholic. Joe also gave his life to Jesus Christ in a mission, and he was just on fire. He, 
He loved to do anything that he could do. There wasn't a job that was too small for him. He'd even clean, clean up vomit. And he'd do it to honor God with his life. So people began to look at Job and realize that he was just a shining example of what it meant to be a Christian. The uh, person in charge of the mission, the head of the mission, preached an evangelistic message one day. The room was full of people, and, and uh, when he was wrapping up his message, there was a guy way in the back, and he had been watching Job. And he was just so convicted. He stood up, he started walking to the front, and he said, with his head down, he said, I want to be like Job. I want to be like Joe. I want to be like Joe. He gets up to the front, and the, the, the guy that gave the message that day, he looks and he said, Son, he said, I think you mean you want to be like Jesus. And the guy looks at him and he says, Is he like Joe? Well, for us, in our lives, same situation. People look at us. Is he like Kevin? Is he like Manny? Is he like Kelly? What's your name in there? Is he like Pete? I want to be like Joe. Jesus states it this way in, in, in chapter 13, verse 35. Your love will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Third point. Bearing fruit is designed by God to be done in and for community. In and for community. Jesus' summary to his metaphor on bearing fruit is this. As he says in, in verse 12, of John 15. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. And, and then as if they didn't hear what he said, he repeats in verse 17. This is my commandment. Love each other. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 5. Just for a moment, just take a look at those attributes. And ask yourself, which one of those are not born out in community? As we look at all nine of that fruit, that singular fruit that the Holy Spirit instills places in our lives, all of those are meant to be done in community. Think about this. The 12 disciples whom Jesus chose, just like he chooses us. We don't choose him. He chooses us. Those 12 disciples, they, they had their own issues. They came from different places and different occupations. In fact, one was a zealot named Simon, whose chief aim was to overthrow the Roman government. And then there was another called Matthew, who was a despised and hated tax collector for the very government that Simon wanted to overthrow. And, and this is the context that Jesus said, love each other. 
every Sunday here at Epiphany, we have next step. We, we take what scripture gives us, teaches us, and try to put feet to it. And so the, the next step this morning is just simply this. Go bear some fruit. Go bear some fruit. Resist the urge to treat this like a list to be checked off. Approach it with the confidence that the Holy Spirit knows for each one of us we're different in that regard. He knows exactly what we need. And focus on the source of the fruit bearing. It's Him doing in us. It's a process that'll take time. I was looking at a publication this morning called The Daily Bread. It was just perfect timing. And it tells us of a foreign exchange student who went from the States over to Germany and uh, three months she had to cram and, and, and try to learn German. So she gets over to Germany and, and she's struggling. She's trying so hard. She's struggling. And, and the teacher tells her, learning a language is like climbing a sand dune. Sometimes you feel like you're not getting anywhere, but just keep going, and you will. So in the same, in the same sense when it comes to bearing fruit, learning to bear fruit is like climbing a sand dune. Sometimes you feel like you're not getting anywhere, but just keep going, and you will. The first beat. Rest. Rest in the Holy Spirit's power to do what we cannot do. And then apply. Do. Stay Holy Spirit focused. So if we look again at those attributes, and as, as we do that, invite the, the music team to come back up. The prayer team as well. Look at those attributes. Any of them lacking recently in your, your life this week? Did you, if you have uh, parents who have young kids, did, did you get in the car right now? We're going to go and worship. Good issue with patience. Then you said something to somebody that you loved and, and right away you just uh, I shouldn't have said that. I didn't mean what I said. We can rest. We can rest in knowing that we have a very patient God. His patience is perfect. And His ability to do in us what we cannot do in ourselves is available all the time. So maybe you're, you're, you're sitting in your place this morning thinking about the, this whole relationship with Jesus. Maybe that's something that you've not yet done. We'd love to pray with you about that. Opportunity to, to hear whatever it is. It doesn't have to be anything about what we're talking about this morning. Our prayer team is here as well. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you are the one who is able to do what we cannot do ourselves. We, we trust that the, the fruit that you desire to plant within our lives is what leads people 
restore relationship with you. Thank you for the amazing privilege that we have to bear fruit in your name. And Lord, thank you that it isn't that we try harder, but it's that we can rest in you. In Jesus' name, amen.